ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, episode 33. My name is Russ Shaw. Sick of it. That is Skillet. The bumper by Skillet used that before, but it is very appropriate for today's show and kicking off 2014. This is season three, episode 33. My name is Russ Shaw. The website is asi247.org. I do bro- bumper promos. It's called in like the talk radio business, speech media. This is a free podcast. Uh, under the genre of speech media. So, um, yeah, using bumper promos to uh, to kick off the show. And if you'd like to download any of the music you hear on the show, you go to ASI247.org, click on the music tab, and, and hey, tunes right there for you to download. So that's pretty cool, right? Uh, just going to go with it today, man. I'm not going to do a super edited show like I usually do. Um, I want to... Uh, talk about stuff, right? I want to address, I want to raise a challenge. Again, this is 2014, season three, and I've been, that's been in my heart to have this thing more of a challenge. So the pod challenge, if if it were, right? I've been inspired by the NoFap um, partake in the ultimate challenge that they have on their, their website there. And really looking at this as a challenge, but maybe going a step deeper and saying, um, are you sick of the blandness, you know? That's something in that song. Are, are you bored to death? Are, are, where are you at with your relationships, right? Is this sex thing, are you starting to see it as something more than just getting laid, right? Hopefully that's hopefully that's where you're at. That's where I find you today. Um, this podcast will make a lot more sense if it is. Uh, if it's not, then, uh, man, I don't know. That's just where you're at. But I'm... I'm humbled and honored that folks listen to this show based on wanting to get free of sexual addiction, of wanting to take on uh, this ultimate challenge. I was thinking about sports analogies. Our Seattle Seahawks are now uh, going to the Super Bowl, which is remarkable because the Seattle Seahawks went to the Super Bowl once in 2006 and lost to the Steelers. Uh, but that's the only time we've ever gone to the Super Bowl. This team started in like 1975, I believe. And it's funny how, as a sports fan, as a Seattle Seahawks fan, it, you know, you see all around the country now, everybody loves the Seahawks. <laughs> the Seahawks were in, I think it was Arizona or maybe St. Louis during the World Series, which a lot of people weren't at that game because they were at the World Series game. But there was a lot of Seahawks fans there. And they were hearing like the 12th man kind of cheers away from home and they, they talk about how strange that was and uh but yeah it's funny how um 
I, I like the Seahawks when the Seahawks suck, right? I did like them, but I'll be honest with you. Um, this, this last year and this year is the first time I've really not missed a game. Sometimes I've come in like halfway through the game, you know, or, or whatever, but I've not missed a game all season. It's because our team is winning, right? Like there's an energy that gets behind winning and when you have momentum and when things are going the way we feel they should or ought to, you know, we have a lot more enthusiasm. I think that's a big part of <laughs> the Seahawks fans all over the country. Like, you're just jumping on the bandwagon of a winning team, right? This is my city, man. I'm in Seattle, so I'm I'm excited about the Seahawks going to the Super Bowl. But it also raises this this question of of victory and defeat. And when when we see um, for a lot of years, there's been this psychology that says if you can just change your thoughts, it will change the way you feel. And there is some truth to that. But if we don't change our thoughts and if we let our feelings just run, then our feelings start to direct our life. That's the thing about anxiety and depression. Those are emotions, but they're also, you know, like cognitive kind of rivers that start to flow and stopping them is incredibly difficult. And it's not something that is just done by willpower, right? Like just stop thinking those negative thoughts, for example, and you'll, you'll will yourself out of depression. Well, that's not true. You know, <laughs> that's, people have tried that. I do think that talk therapy is very, very important. And that's helped a lot of people. The show isn't about anxiety or depression. Um, it's kind of about anxiety. And it can be about depression because the roots of addiction, sexual addiction, especially, um, can go to those two things. But I wanted to extend this metaphor on, you know, victory, right? Seeing victory in our lives, getting some momentum as, as this fourth and goal kind of a, kind of a metaphor. Those of you who don't follow uh, American football, American football isn't like, when I say football, I know that I'm being heard all over the world. Some of you might be thinking of soccer, um, I guess you know, certain soccer teams like Manchester United, like those are my boys, right? But you live somewhere in Africa. <laughs> I don't know. You see what I'm saying though, right? Um, we tend to get really jazzed up about winning teams. In my recovery, if I constantly saw myself at, at fourth down, right? There was a... There was a part of me that just wanted to punt to the other team. That's how f American football works. Like, you take the ball, you move it up the field. You have to get, like, 10 yards, whatever it is. I can't remember. But you have to get the first down. If you don't get the first down, you don't get to move the ball for more downs, right? If you keep getting crushed in, in between those, those 10 yards of the first down, then it punts to the other team. You have three chances to to do that and then the fourth right the fourth down means you either kick the ball to the other team or you take a big risk a huge risk and you keep trying to move the ball down the field and as far as this addiction goes and, and reading some posts on uh, on reddit and um, my friend john glisten i encourage you to check out his website thepurityreport.com another great community uh for for getting this out of you for talking about this stuff um where you go emotionally at that fourth down point 
when you feel like it's fourth down and you're about to, you know, punt <laughs> to the to the other team, some part of you is going to give up. Some part of you is going to let go. What it's changing the process because if we keep losing, like if you get in a pattern of losing, it's it's cool to say two steps forward, one step back is still a step forward. That's true. Um, but if it's two steps forward and two steps back or two steps forward, one step back for a long period of time, you don't feel that victory. You, you're challenging, right? It, it's very tough to, to not quit when you feel like you keep failing, you keep losing, you keep getting mastered by this thing. Um, a big part of that is being, is being in community. Uh, wanted to read something um, that I posted this morning on, uh, on NoFap addressing a guy who is uh, kind of trying it out, right? Like, I'm going to, all right, I'll try this thing out and we'll see how it works. Um, I've been doing it for a few weeks and I, and I don't see results. I'm not going to read his posts. I'm not going to read um, people's posts on, on uh, the Purity Report or uh, no fap. I, I believe that that stuff's personal. Um, if you want me to, I would, right? That's one of those things about emails. I don't tend to read email. I tend to answer email, but that's the gist of this guy's, um, post was, I'm going to try this. Uh, some of that goes to, right? Well, a defined try, right? Um, so he was, he was just saying that like, okay, I'm in this community. I want to see results. I'm, I'm willing to check it out and see how it goes. But I don't see any results so far. Like I don't feel like um, I'm gaining any ground. He, he's feeling like fourth down, right? It's fourth and goal. Am I going to go for the goal? Right? What are you going to do with that fourth down? And, and he's kind of going, all right, I've been doing this for a few weeks, you know, four or five weeks, and I'm, I'm not feeling a whole lot. And this was my response. I said, the cool thing about this kind of community is that it will stir feelings in you. When reading those feelings, right, when you read the feelings of other people's blog posts, some, <clears throat> some will make an impact. And you can choose to judge them or you can choose to act with them, right? You read something that somebody says and it can stir feelings inside you. And some of the things that I would do is just kind of turn into a judge, right? Um, judgment is still one of my defense mechanisms. Early in recovery, I was sitting back and being the judge of other people. And that's part of my story. Uh, sitting on my throne and, and just being kind of fake because I wasn't in it with them, right? Uh, I wasn't interacting with them. I felt like if I did say something, it would be negative. And that's basically the negativity was my judgment. And that's why I didn't get, uh, didn't get involved. I wasn't opening up and being transparent myself. All right. So if you feel like you're in community and you just kind of read stuff and you're not getting involved, or when you do get involved, it seems like you're judging someone else or just having this, um, defeatist kind of attitude, like, I, I'm very aware of all the things that won't work in, in not even wanting to try new stuff, 
because that's <laughs> just part of that emotional defense mechanism. Um, having a quick mind. Some of you guys are smart. Some of the smartest people can be the the most stubborn in their in their spirit, in their will, in their emotions. Um, interacting with some of these feelings concepts helps us unplug some of our constipation that is our stubbornness and our stubbornness is a big contributor in keeping us addicted but it's our stubbornness that can be our strength as well i would encourage you not to be a spectator but to get real here be transparent here as much as you can on internet blog posts right it's another thing about being in group or community with people eye to eye, face to face, folks that are in your neighborhood, people that are in your life that you can call on the phone, hang out with, right? Have a beer with, have a cup of coffee with, um, folks like that, people that you can do life with, right? Friendships can be built with people with a, you know, that that are taking on the same goal, that are on the same kind of team, that know what fourth down feels like, right? Anyway, went off on a little tangent there. Um, I would encourage you not to just be a spectator, to be, get real here, be transparent here as much as you can on internet blog posts. It's great training wheels <laughs> for starting, you know, starting intimacy, starting to be transparent. I say this as a guy who uh, who has a couch armchair quarterback right attitude. Right, I've had that. You know what an armchair quarterback is, right? They sit there and just, you know, constantly criticize and critique the, the, the your team, right? What, what the quarterback should do or ought to do. <laughs> Sitting there like, uh, I know what, right? That's why you're making half a million dollars a year playing football, right? No, we're just good at criticizing. We don't really know, actually know what it feels like to be in the game, have a 300-pound defensive back coming at you, right? We don't know what that feels like, but, man, I could sure criticize. Um, well, I get that. Um, but this is, you know, getting transparent, being open. Even in blog posts, it's like cracking your heart open. It's a revealing part of yourself. It's uh, it's healthy, and and that kind of thing will produce results. Um, a lot of this is a fear of intimacy, and I wanted to address that as well. I I was chatting with a guy who was struggling with, he's married and addicted to porn, and um, kind of having these, you know fourth down kind of moments right like man i keep getting in this pattern i keep getting this. i see where i'm getting stuck here and and i said you know you need to be able to be open be emotionally naked with your with your spouse right getting to that point not just physically naked but there's an emotional nakedness that takes place before the physical you know like an argument, if you have an argument or a conflict and, and you make up, like that makeup sex is, is so incredibly good, you know, you, everybody, oh yeah, makeup sex, awesome. The reason why is because of an, a, a conflict is solved. There's this dissonance, there's this thing, there's this bitterness that something's bothering us. And we bring it out in the open, we talk about it, and then it becomes conflict maybe or argument, and then that thing is solved. Because you love each other, right? 
because you're dedicated to each other, because this relationship thing is not just a, you know, we're going to try this out, but that's one thing about marriage. You're, you're dedicated for life. Like, it's forever, baby, right? It's like those romantic songs. I've dedicated myself to you. I've married you. I put a ring on your finger. I am not going to quit on you. I'm not going anywhere. I love you. That's what love is. Love is constant. And yeah, hearts can get broken and things can go wrong, but it's the faith that we're going to work this thing out. First marriage, second marriage, whatever it is, man, I, I pray that you guys don't quit on your marriage. If you're in a first marriage, statistically, second marriage is, it's not, I just pray, stay with the one you're with, man. It has more to do with you than it has to do with them. Chances are. Um, this is from a source, it's called healthcentral.com. Intimacy anxiety is the fear of emotional closeness with another. All right, this is some of the roots of sexual addiction. A lot of this behavior mod stuff, it's kind of like mowing the grass to get rid of weeds, you know? <laughs> that works. Works for a little while, you know? You got a yard full of dandelions, you mow them over, mulch them up, you just see a green yard, right? For a day or two. Um, but this is getting to some of the root stuff, is right here. This is some of the emotional psychological, right? The study of the soul kind of stuff. <clears throat> Intimacy anxiety is the fear of emotional closeness with another. It can also include the fear of being sexually intimate with a romantic partner. The individual who fears intimacy will be reluctant to open up and be genuine for fear that they will be rejected for their true self. Um, I don't know about the true self part, but I know what the fear of anxiety is, you know, the fear of being loved. Like if you knew this dark part about me, would you still love me? That kind of thing. I built a facade to my wife, to who I was. She didn't really know me. Um, she does know me, but down deep, you know, my fears and my scaredness, I mean, this anxiety really blocked me from being intimate with her. And it fueled my sexual addiction. It really did, like a, like some kind of um, parasite feeding on on something, you know, like a like a monster in the closet just eating things in the dark. <laughs> it was just growing. I was feeding it with this fear. Uh, anyway, continuing on here, they wish to avoid hurt and pain at all cost. There will be two underlying fears contributing to intimacy anxiety. And they are the fear of ultimately losing their partner or the fear of being controlled and losing one's freedom or identity. What are some of the signs and symptoms of intimacy anxiety? The feeling, here's number one, the feeling that you don't feel worthy of love. There's some things to let pass through your spirit, all right? Just think about this stuff. Avoiding close relationships, whether you're single or married, all right? Because single people, there's a lot of stuff in here for single people, too. Avoiding close relationships because you feel that you will ultimately be rejected. Sabotaging a relationship when deep feelings develop. This can mean creating drama or instigating a fight when your partner shows signs of becoming emotionally close to you. 
clingy and sacrificial behavior in order to keep the other person to remain in relationship. Reluctance to commit to your relationship. Attempting to get your needs met with an emotional relationship with little emotional investment possible. That's a lot of guys who see prostitutes. Uh, Charlie Sheen was asked in an interview why he sees prostitutes mainly. And he said, because with, you know, with the relationships, because he's famous, like he's Charlie Sheen. He could get any woman he wants. Like, why are you paying 10 grand to a prostitute? And he said, because there's no relationship there, there's no unmet expectations, there's no expecting of me to open up, I guess. <laughs> he didn't use those words, but that's what I was seeing in this guy who's, you know, at that time especially, really a sex addict, an addict of all sorts of things, but sex being some of the roots of it. A lot of you folks with alcohol and drug addiction, people listen, um, but man, the sex thing is... is some of the core stuff because it goes to this intimacy fear. But anyway, that one's one that reminded me of, of myself a little bit. And, uh, Charlie Sheen, I don't, I don't want relationship. He said, I, I don't want, you know, I don't want broken hearts. I don't want to break anyone's heart, which was interesting. Um, constant testing of your partner to see if they will leave you. Yet if you're loved, <clears throat> yet if your loved one passes your emotional tests, the fear remains that they will abandon you. Let me read that again. Constantly testing your partner to see if they will leave you, yet if your loved one passes your emotional tests, the fear remains that they will abandon you. Fear of abandonment. A lack of a lack of trust to be yourself in front of another person and instead trying to be what you think that other person expects. That's kind of the, uh, the emotional chameleon. <laughs> Heard a lot of people say that in group. I'm an emotional chameleon. <clears throat> Constantly choosing the wrong people to date or have a relationship with, knowing that it will lead to nowhere. I see a lot of women do this. Um, just get in relationship with bad dudes you know oh the sex is awesome right but everything else is you know like he does heroin or crack or uh, he's mean he hits you um but returning back to that man breaking that pattern is so incredibly important um serial dating or lots of casual sex is another one Frequent breakups with romantic partners, create emotion, creating emotional distance with a cool or aloof behaviors. And that's the last one. These are all kind of symptoms of what's called intimacy anxiety. Um, and that's kind of some of the level two psychology stuff. Uh, in the last show, I talked about identity a little bit. I talked about... Um, where you place your faith, right? The object of placing our faith. I, I talk about spirituality in the show because I do believe that that is incredibly important that a lot of folks today, especially young people, um, neglect a spiritual life. For me and uh, a lot of the badness that I'd done in my life, right? My own personal 
um, breaking bad season that was my my younger days you know when a lot of my friends were graduating from high school and going to college I was dealing drugs um, I was trying to like see even see a future in that working my way up the ladder and becoming a trafficker um, it was a dark messed up life I'm not proud of that I had a lot of regret and a lot of pain and a lot of shame over it and a lot of you know a lot of this religious stuff like God loves the good little kids that kind of thing um, having trying to identify with God with my creator when I've done such bad was was devastating you know believe raised in, in a kind of pseudo Christian but religious family and you know <laughs> we didn't go to church every Sunday but I got I'm a thinker right I just can't turn my brain off and uh, I would get deep with some of these concepts of God and but I just started to see him because of a lot of this stuff that I was taught just bad religion that I was taught that you know Jesus forgives you of your sins right and then hands you the ball and you're you're expected to run for the touchdown and that's just not the case. Um, that's the difference between Christianity and, and all the other religions of the world. See, I'm I'm a very reluctant Christian. I, I didn't. I'm not a Christian because I was raised in that. Like that's a big part of why I probably shouldn't be a Christian if I if I followed you know just a religious discipline. If I looked at you know my relationship with God as purely purely works or purely religious, I would probably not be a Christian. But the fact is that it's based in love, and that made sense to me. Just these kind of deep emotional truths, that things that I knew to be true, that when I really investigated it, my Bible and my relationship with Jesus for myself, I saw that um, that it really makes sense and is rational when it comes to love. Like God calls me his kid, right? Like once I made that choice to be born again, to, to bend my knee, to say, okay, Lord, you know, your will, not mine. I want to follow you. Becoming his child, right? Accepting that free gift of grace um, that my sins are forgiven past, present, and future. All right. It, it's an act of love. It's like, you know, looking at my kids who I love very much and saying, if you do these things, then then I'll love you as your dad. I'll love you. But if you don't do these things, then, you know, I'm going to cast you out or throw you out of my house or something like that. Right. That's not that's not my heart as a dad. I love my kids. I'm not going to just toss them away into eternal judgment because they didn't live up to my expectations. Some of these concept of of uh, unconditional love made sense to me. Um, so, so that's one of the things I want you to realize that I think the devil of religion, uh, right, the the leaven of the Pharisees, <laughs> what Jesus talked about, is this constant you thinking that you have to somehow earn your favor with God. That you have to earn your way to heaven. Through Jesus Christ, your sin is forgiven, past, present, and future. Your right, your sins are washed away. 
and, and you get to have this relationship with God. You get to walk out your faith with God. And, and having these behaviors change are just a natural want to that is birthed out of that. It's birthed out of seeking and feeding and growing that faith and that relationship. Um, you can't be so bad that God will throw you away, right? This is predestination. God knew you were going to make that choice. God is after you. Some of you folks who are kind of, oh yeah, that Christian thing. I've heard that before. If you've heard it before, you would taste and see how good it is. And uh, man, I just challenge you with that. Um, <clears throat> see, faith and, and living, you know, there's, people write books on Christian living. And I always thought, this is just more rules that I can't live up to. But that's not really it. Um, some of this stuff is just living our lives so that we have more life, more abundant life. That's one of my favorite texts in the Bible is Jesus is saying, you know, the devil comes to kill, steal, destroy. I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly, right? God doesn't say, obey me like the principal of some high school with a stick in his hand. God says, obey me like a, like a loving father who wants good for us. So James 2, um, and this has been hotly debated in theological circles, like, oh, you have to be this way or you're, you're not saved kind of a thing. Um, I'll read it. This is James 2, starting in, in verse 14, talking about fourth down, right? Where do you go in your faith? Okay, if your relationship is with the creator of the universe who knows you by name, who the Bible says knows the hairs on your heads. He's not distant. He knows you emotionally. He's right there with you in this tear-stained pain of it all, right? In the in the tears and the shouting and the, right, I want to see. I'm sick of it, right? He's there. He's not distant from you. He actually delights in you. That was another mind-blowing thing for me. That God actually likes me. And when I, when my heart opened up to that, like, you know, I talked about a few shows ago, when you're around someone who's fond of you, aren't you, don't you feel more free? Don't you feel more, you know, alive? Isn't that attractive, right? Coaches like that are incredible people, man. I could go another half hour on really good teachers and coaches, but I'm going to read James 2, starting in verse 14. Here we go. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one of you says to him, Go in peace and be warm and be filled without giving them the things they need for the body, what is good? <clears throat> um, what, what, it, hold on. And if one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Uh, verse 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from works, and I will show you my faith by my works. 
you believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe that and shudder, right? Um, demons know exactly who God is, right? The dark forces and angels out there. It's funny how some people are like, oh yeah, I'm not sure if God exists. The the dark forces, some of those thoughts in your head, all right? I don't believe that every cognition is just birthed out of, you know, wires in a box, cells being fired off. Some of this is spiritual warfare. Not every freaking thing that pops into your brain comes from you. And even if it is this fleshy kind of nature, as C.S. Lewis would say, that it's birthed out of the animal in us, um, it's something to fight against, isn't it? Right? It's keep you trying to keep you a slave. Um, the voices that are thrown into your head by that, the creator of that energy, knows who Jesus is and is scared to death of him. All right? <clears throat> um, but but theologians will sit and argue <laughs> who God is. Not afraid at all. It's interesting that that's in there. Uh, verse 20. <clears throat> Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Useless. So, yeah, and this is part of what I re read this part of Scripture. Not that, you know, oh, well, I'm not saved, like I'm not going to heaven if I don't see fruit the point is that what we believe, what we place our faith in, drives us, all right? We see the ball movement down the field as just, you know, uh, am I going to achieve my goal, right? We get to the fourth down and it's fourth and goal and we're feeling like uh, we're going to fall off the edge of the cliff, you know. I'm one step closer to the edge, you know, that kind of thing. And we, we feel like, are we going to achieve that goal? And, and I would, my goal here is to maybe stir up some dissonance and, and really think about what the ball placement is, right? Where is your insecurity? Intimacy, anxiety, or fear of intimacy is just, you know, it's, it's insecurity. Where, where's your security, Right. You know, moving the ball down the field is this kind of metaphorical behavior change, and it needs to be replaced with hope. Where's your faith located, right? Because that's what changes behavior. That's the point of, of what James is talking about. What you place your faith in, it's something you need to dump, right? You need to dump all of this kind of religious sort of trying to be good enough for God, do better, try harder, because then God will, will love you or accept you. You're already loved. You're already accepted. God is not punishing you. God already punished Jesus in your place. God loves us. He, he disciplines us. He wants good for us. Um, it's placing our hope in, in something real, some, in Him, right? Something tangible. So that we can have a, a better legacy. Um, this is something that's been uh, that's been shared on NoFap a number of times. It's a quote by C.S. Lewis, and uh, I thought this was brilliant. I think I might have read it on the show before, but I'll, I'll read it again. It bears repeating. This is a, a quote by Lewis. 
for me, the real evil of masturbation would be that it takes an appetite which, in lawful use, leads an individual out of himself to complete and correct his own personality in that of another, and finally in children and even grandchildren, and turns it back, sends the man into a prison of himself. All right, That's what masturbation does. It turns, turns us in on ourselves. Um, it sends a man into a prison of himself. There is to keep a harem of imagery brides. It's amazing that he said this stuff before the internet. <laughs> Lewis died in 1962. And this harem, once admitted, works against his ever getting out and really uniting with a real woman. For this harem is always accessible, always sub subvertent, calls for no sacrifices or adjustments. It can be endowed with erotic and physical attractions, and no woman can revile. Among those shadowy brides, he has always adorned, always has the perfect lover. No demand is made on his unselfishness. No mortification has ever imposed on his vanity. In the end, they become merely a medium through which he increasingly adorns himself. After all, almost the main work of life is to come out of ourselves, out of the little dark prison that we are born in. Masturbation is to be avoided at all, as all things that are to be avoided which retard this process. The danger is that of coming to love the prison. That's addiction. Um, if we change our behavior and just, you know, um, invest everything in us to be a better you, is that, is that freedom from prison? Will that help you in your legacy, in your relationship, in your future, in the mark you live in this world that has to do with love, Right? So I want to challenge you that uh, what, what is your spiritual life like? How is your walk with God? Um, being in community with other people is awesome. But getting to the roots of some of these fears of anxiety and why we're scared to open up, a lot of this has to do with our faith. Right? It's not just a mom and dad, oh, mom and dad didn't treat me well. Man, I, I could tell you the horror stories of my childhood. Uh, but ultimately, my relationship with the creator of the universe and the lover of my soul made a huge impact. And it's not, it's not behavior modification. It's not that I mustered up enough willpower, right? It's not that I, I, I stirred up like my, my varsity faith got the, you know, the touchdown and ran all the way across the field. No, Jesus Christ being the object of my faith was the point. You know, the, this faith the size of a mustard seed in a very powerful object. Right, Jesus isn't just the turning of the calendar. Oh, it's 2014. It's a new day. I'm going to place my faith on that, and we see how that works. Um, but placing our faith in something substantial and real and rational, um, we can be close with our Creator. 
I mean, is in the Bible, right? He knocks at the door and is waiting for us to just open our hearts to him. So I'm going to encourage you once again to have a closer relationship with God, to, to um, really evaluate who you are at your core, all right? And if we're honest, that's what we're all kind of looking for. Like there's this hunger and thirst inside of, of us that isn't satisfied. Like it's just not enough. The relationships aren't enough. The sex isn't enough. The booze or success or whatever it is, prestige, this is not enough. So we use our gifts for what, right? What is going to fill me on the inside and that's why I talk about Jesus Christ, all right? That's why I talk about it. I'm not a religious person. I don't believe in religion. I believe that religion, this kind of we're the good people and they're the bad people, I think that kind of religion is like a, is like a cancer on humanity, all right? I mean, look at the Olympics right now. There's all this fear and, you know, people wanting to put bombs on themselves and blow themselves up because they believe that God's cool with that and it's just all based in hate like that's not the God of the Bible alright it's just not that, that whole story his story alright read the whole story and that Jesus is the, the superman the savior of the story and we're all looking for we're all reaching for that savior that's what we're doing. What will be enough? All right. I don't have a logical explanation for you for why I live in the victory I live in today. I was a drug addict, alcoholic, sex addict, adultering, right? right? Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Man, at the roots, at the core, it's not religion. It's a deep, real relationship with God. And that is supernatural. And that is the truth. Until next time, man, I, I pray for you guys. Keep me in your prayers. Uh, this stuff is real, all right? I've got a book in the works. I've been working on it. Uh, pray for me in that. I'm easily distracted and... Uh, me starting to write this book, I can already feel some of the spiritual kind of resistance, right? It's truth. Continuing on, 2014. Um, send me an email if any of this is making an impact. It's russ at asi247.org. I'll leave the show right there. I'm going to leave a, a song by a guy at our church from Mars Hill Music. This guy's name is Dustin, Dustin Kershaw. And uh, just an awesome tune. Who's going to be enough, right? What's going to be enough? What's going to sustain you through this life? Until next time, bye. <laughs>